The 63rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight. We're going to get you ready for Carolina App State. That will happen on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock in the Smith Center. We will give you a breakdown of the Mountaineers. We'll update you on the current status of Carolina. We'll give our keys to the game, pick the game, and all that great stuff before we do get out of here for this edition. But before we do any of that, we start every preview edition of the podcast, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. And I don't know if I've used this one yet this year. And even if I have, I don't really care because this one still applies to where this team is at as of today. We go back to Dean Smith. And Dean said, uh, never let anyone play harder than you. That's the part of the game you can control. And certainly coming out, out of the loss to Kentucky the other night, Carolina's effort was non-existent, to say the least. That was echoed in the post game by players like R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, followed up by head coach Huber Davis, and then yelled about by me and Anthony – on this podcast, and I think it's going to be something moving forward that I think we got to gauge. And maybe since we've seen Carolina come out flat twice now in 11 games, we can now have a better viewing or a better understanding of when that could be on the horizon. The first time it happened, it definitely caught us by surprise. But maybe looking back at those games against Elon, those games against Furman, it shouldn't have been too surprising to see Carolina come out as flat as they did on Saturday. The good news is for you, buddy, is that this is another pod thought of the day that I could have somehow made it apply to you and your efforts, but my anger and disgust at the team right now lets you off the hook for this edition. Well, gee, thanks for being so courteous. You're just the most respectful podcast host that I've ever met. Would never take shots at, at somebody that's his co-host and best friend for uh, over 10 years now, but whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you're going to be watching the rest of the year for sure. Um, and, and I think part of the, what we kind of amounted it to against Elon and uh, against Furman was the fact that the crowds there were not great in the Smith center, that it was a rather sleepy environment. 
But, I mean, this is what we're going to have heading into this game against App State. Now, luckily, going into conference play, you would expect that things are going to be a little bit better. But, yeah, it, it it really stinks that this is a group that it looks like you are probably going to have to coach effort with at times. And that's the hardest thing to coach. Um, what, what, if you've got guys that are giving you consistent effort but are just making mistakes, it's one thing. But at times when there's just not the effort there, uh, they look lackadaisical like they did um, early on uh, on Saturday against Kentucky, that's something that it, it's really hard for you as a coach to be able to find a way to coach that out of guys. It's just no matter what you do, it's on those guys to step it up. So, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be something that'll be worth watching going forward. Um, but I think, you know, look, this this team probably knows that that's the second time this year that they haven't given a great effort. I'm assuming behind closed doors, uh, there's probably a little bit more anger from Hubert Davis than we've seen so far in the public. And I, I think that you, if, if they want to start taking that next step towards bringing consistent effort every night, not having these moments like that. Uh, it's like I talked about last night on the podcast. This might be one of those moments where you need leaders to start stepping up. Somebody in that locker room has to say, look, that's enough. We've had two efforts like this where we have looked lifeless. And if we want to be able to do some damage, if we want to be able to consistently win games in the ACC, uh, then we need to demand better effort, and, and it starts right now. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And if you go back to after the UNC Asheville win, that was the, the, the game that led Brady Manick to voice his opinions. And at that time, they were early season frustrations with where the team was at at that point. That kind of was followed up yesterday. We're not followed up, but that – that was the kind of, kind of sentiment we got yesterday with R.J. Davis, who had a really rough go of it um, in the loss. And then, of course, by Armando Baycott, the guy that – I think that's the guy we've challenged the most to become that leader for Carolina on the court and off the court, both with this play and with his voice. Because you can't argue with what with his production. He's averaging nearly a double-double. He's a junior and he has been your most consistent player so far this season. And so I think it's something that, especially given the fact that you don't have a natural point guard who's a natural leader, it's going to need to be a leadership by committee approach. Carolina does have to start developing leadership on this basketball team. Let's take a look at the App State Mountaineers. They come in to the Smith Center with a even 6-6 six and six record. They have lost a common opponent. Furman, and they lost to a future ACC opponent for Carolina as they lost to Duke 92-67 to the other night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. But if anyone was tuning in, that game was close at the beginning, early portions of that second half before a big Blue Devil run really did blow that game open. This team, of course, made the NCAA tournament a season ago, losing in the first four of the NCAA tournament. And the, the good news for this team, as their goal is to try to get back to the NCAA tournament and maybe avoid that first four, um, they return 88.9% of minutes played from last season and 92.9% of their points scored from last season, which brings me to their head coach. Dustin Kearns is a guy that is a rising star in the coaching business. You look up in five, maybe ten years from now, he will be leading a premier 
Power Five program. He's that good, and he's on the trajectory to become one of the next great coaches in college basketball. The Mountaineers have just one player averaging double-figure scoring. That's Adrian Delp with 15.3 points per game. And they're a really great defensive rebounding team, only allowing 6.3 offensive rebounds per game, which is the seventh fewest in college basketball. But as I mentioned, they returned roughly 90% of their minutes, over 90% of their scoring. They've got seniors up and down the roster mixed in with a nice blend of, of young up-and-coming talent, which will be the future of this program in the years to come. This is going to be a mid-major opponent, a lot like Furman, where they're going to come in and they're going to expect to play well, and they're going and they're, and they're going to play well. Now, is it going to be for 40 minutes? I don't know. But you could look at what they did against Duke for the first 20, 25, 30 minutes, and they could build off of that because they were right there in that ball game in that second half, um, they've got a, um, they've, you know, they've, they've also played some other teams tough. They lost to Iona early on to start the year. Iona's a really good basketball team. They lost to Charlotte by a point. So they've played some bigger competitions, a lot tougher, and they're going to enter the Smith Center expecting to play and play very well on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of motivation that goes into this because they haven't had the season that they were probably expecting. Now, again, it's it's still early, and that's a team that really sort of got themselves going late on last year uh, to be able to make a run at the NCAA tournament. And as you mentioned, they have a really good head coach, a guy that's going to get the best out of his players. Um, they're a rather veteran squad. This is probably one of the more veteran teams that Carolina is going to play out of conference. If you look at the majority of their contributors at the top of the roster, um, you've got th- their, their top three scorers are seniors. Um, and, you know, look, there, there's always, you know, an element, I think, of some of the in-state guys coming in. And their, their roster does have a, a good amount of North Carolina flavor. Uh, you know, and, and I think we've seen it before that some of these ones that come in, guys that were over, overlooked or, or that they at least felt were overlooked by uh, Carolina and Duke and even NC State, those are sometimes the teams that give, uh, you know, the most fits. So we'll see. I, I think that this is a team that really serves well for what Carolina uh, is wanting to get out of this game, which is a get right game. It feels like this is a team that Carolina should be able to expose a little bit inside because they're not going to play with a lot of size. They've got a couple of guys on the roster that are 6'10", 6'11", but those guys don't really play a whole lot. They're going to want to play smaller, um, and that's going to allow Armando Baycott, potentially Dawson Garcia, and even Brady Manick to have some success inside like we saw against Furman. But still, this is a team that, as they showed the other night, they can give you a a challenge here. And, And Carolina is not the type of team right now, um, at least from what we saw the other night, uh, that we think is, is as good as Duke. So there's no guarantee that if they give you a game that you're going to be able to just run away from them late. We've seen it a couple of times here recently. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that you, you wonder where the mindset is at for this team after the other night. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see them come out with the mindset that they're still in a good spot and that they feel confident that that was just a, a, a setback that won't happen again. And uh, hopefully they can they can come out and, and flex a little muscle in this game uh, against a team that uh, is scrappy, but I think they should be able to handle. 
Yeah, Carolina enters this game eight and three overall, of course, especially coming out of Saturday's blowout loss to Kentucky. They are still unranked as of this moment. And really that's not the the, the one of the biggest concerns for them at as of today. Carolina is five and zero all time against App State with the last win coming back in 2015, a 94 to 70 win over the Mountaineers in Chapel Hill. Carolina still has five players averaging double figure scoring, still led by Caleb Love with 15.5 points per game. Armando Baycott is second with 15 points per game on the team. Carolina ended the game against Kentucky, seventh in the country in three point percentage, following Saturday's one of 13 shooting, which evens out to 8%. They fell all the way down to 24th in the country um, as, as they shoot 39% as a team from behind the three-point line. Defensively, this is where the issue has been lying for Carolina. Carolina right now is only forcing 10 turnovers per game. That is the seventh fewest in college basketball. And as another result of that, they are allowing 73.4 points per game, which is 293rd in the country out of 358 teams that compete in Division I college basketball. We're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back, give our keys to the game, and pick the game before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really do hope you guys are taking all the, the great promo codes I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners podcast side of things, what Anthony's been giving you over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things, as we are now officially one week um, inside of the Christmas holiday. So make sure you get over, use those promo codes, and get you some great extra holiday cash before Christmas. The very first key I have written down for this game, it isn't, it, it, it isn't about X's and O's. It's, it's just about effort. And I just simply wrote down, compete for 40 minutes. Carolina might have competed for five minutes the other night against Kentucky, and that's being generous. That team, from the moment that ball was tipped, had no desire, no no energy, no effort putting into trying to win the ball game. And that's why they slept walk through the first half, and they were only down 11 
I don't know if they thought they could do that again in the second half, but they found out really quickly they could not. And before they knew it, they were down 30-plus points en route to the largest margin of defeat since 2012. There, there have been times where Carolina hasn't played well this year, but I thought the energy and the effort was there. And if the energy and effort is there, then there's really not a whole lot you could complain. It could just simply, you know, come down to you're not making shots, the opponent's making shots, this, that, or the other. But the other night was a lot like Tennessee where they just didn't try very hard and they didn't they didn't even put any effort forth. And if that's noticeable from us on the fans watching on our television, you have to imagine that your teammates notice that and hopefully you know the coaching staff does address it. It's not going to be a lively environment in the Smith Center. It's going to be what I've been saying the last couple of weeks. It's going to be a holiday crowd. We're less than a week away from Christmas, so a lot of people are you know the students aren't going to be on campus. There aren't going to be many people traveling a great distance to come watch Carolina play App State. So you're going to have to create your own energy and stuff like that. But following what happened yesterday, there should be no rhyme or reason that this team does not come out ready to play, ready to play hard, and give it their best for 40 minutes on Tuesday night. Yeah, and again, it starts with the leaders on the, on the floor. You've got to find those guys. They've got to step up, and they've got to demand more of their teammates as a whole and really more from themselves. Uh, the guys that – Shouldn't that should be bringing the most effort? Shouldn't be your true freshman. It should not be Dontre Styles and Demarco Dunn and everybody else is just kind of lounging around. And you know, I, this is an opponent that you would think that they shouldn't have much issue with. So I, you know, I don't know how concerned a lot of people are going in about about, about the effort level, but we'll have to just wait and see uh, what this team looks like. But yeah, coming off that performance, you would feel like. Uh, they're going to be motivated to show that everything that they did uh, in the previous five games on that five-game winning streak uh, is not tarnished and gone, and now they have to start all over again. So um, I, I think there's there's reason to believe that they can come out and play motivated basketball, but as you mentioned, it's, it's not going to be the easiest environment to do that in. So uh, we'll have to see, but I want to see – you know, a guy like Armando Baycott, a guy like Brady Manick, and especially a guy like Caleb Love really stepping up out of the gate early on and uh, trying to get this team out to uh, a quick start against an App State team that they should really be able to take advantage of being uh, the better talent, the, the more talented team and uh, just the better team overall. Second key I have to the game, it, it follows up what happened on Saturday, but as you mentioned earlier when we were talking, when we were breaking down a little bit of App State, they don't have a lot of size. And so the second key to the game is dominate the glass. Carolina got out rebounded 44 to 26 on Saturday, including 17 to 6 on the offensive glass. And Kentucky grabbed 11 offensive rebounds before Carolina grabbed their first. And now they're going up against a team that only allows 6.3 offensive rebounds per game, which is seventh best in the country. But outside of Duke, App State hasn't seen a team that has the type of size Carolina has. But as we saw against Kentucky, this isn't the same. The, the, the normal size we're used to seeing from Carolina. And with their having their, their bigs spaced out on the perimeter from times, it's left them suspect to dominate and really rebound the basketball at a high level. That's just not me saying that. There was an article up on CBS Sports about it. So the national media is starting to see the issues that lie within Carolina as a rebounding unit. We said entering the season – 
And then once the season started, with the change of philosophy, you have to have rebounding contributions from all five positions on the court. And when Carolina gets that, they look like a really good rebounding team. They've held their own at times with with you know with size like Purdue. Um, they did really well against Michigan. They did really well against Georgia Tech. But when it hasn't gone right, the losses to Tennessee, the losses to Kentucky. Um, you know, it, it's really come down to that their size got got abused on the on the interior. So I think this is, you know, as you just said, a get a get right game. Carolina's get back. They got to get back to rebound the basketball. I know they're not going to be the rebounding team that we've seen historically under Roy Williams, but there's still too much size, too much uh, athleticism on this roster for them to not come out and pummel a mid major opponent on the glass. So I want to see all five guys crashing the boards, the offensive boards, the de- and, and the defensive boards. This should be a game that even if you're not making perimeter shots, you can you, sh- you should be able to live and die with offensive rebounds and getting second chance points. If Carolina does not come out and dominate the glass and win this by a double-digit margin, this will be uh, – I think it'll it'll raise the cost for concern for Carolina as, as, as a rebounding team as we enter ACC play starting next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, they're not allowing a lot of offensive rebounds, but this still isn't a great rebounding team. They don't have a single guy with more than six six rebounds uh, a game right now at this point in the season. I think part of the reason why they've been so dominant is because, you know, they, they really – they've played three D2 schools uh, that they've beaten, a couple that they've dominated, but – I just don't feel like they've really been tested on the glass. And like you said, I think this is probably the second toughest test that they're going to face on the glass. Um, And this looks like a game where Darmondo Baycott and Dawson Garcia especially should dominate. Um, Yeah, I want to see some of the other guys getting active, but I want to see Armando Baycott with a double-double in this game. I want to see Dawson Garcia with another double-double in this game. This is a team that you should be able to take advantage of. Any miss that they have, you should be able to rebound the ball without much issue. Um, This should be very similar to some of the games that we've seen throughout the year uh, early on uh, where Carolina has allowed two, three offensive rebounds the entire game because – yeah, there are people that are starting to question whether you are really that good of a rebounding team. And that's an area that teams around the ACC are probably watching and saying, hey, that's an area that we can attack. Um, let's just, you know, look at, at for, you know, a, a decent enough look on the offensive end and throw a shot up. And, uh, you know, unlike in years past, we're going to be able to get offensive rebounds on the glass. And again, that also goes back to effort because there were just moments where it seemed like Kentucky wanted it more than Carolina did the other day. Um, you know, they, they had a couple of possessions where they had two or more offensive rebounds in the same possession. So Carolina has got to be able to come back with a strong performance in this one uh, and take advantage of a team that's smaller than you that's not rebounding at a high level, um, and and that you you should you know be able to dominate inside. So uh, I, I think that there's definitely a, a path here for Carolina to dominate on the glass. I think they will, but I think that that isn't the only thing that they have to do in this game if they want to show uh, that uh, the Saturday setback wasn't one to be super concerned about. 
Yeah, I think the last key to the, to this game is is Carolina's got to get back in rhythm offensively. Um, you got to give credit to Kentucky; they just completely dominated the game on the defensive end of the court. But that was sort of after Carolina just self inflicted themselves with with bad shot selection. And I thought Saturday was the first time that Carolina took bad shots more, you know, to a level that really just took them out of their offense and. You know, it was pretty apparent that once they weren't making shots from behind the three-point line, Kentucky was able to clamp down defensively. And outside of Armando Baycott, Carolina couldn't get anything going in the in in the first half, and really for the game overall. And I think this comes back to the fact that this team doesn't they 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 don't play in transition as much as they probably need to. And I know you know you've been a big component of well it's it's made them better defensively, but we also saw the other day that the half court offense maybe isn't as good as we thought it was and they had no backup plan to get easy buckets. They're also not forcing turnovers. And that that's also playing a really big part into this. So if if, if you're not going to live in the open court and you're not going to force turnovers to get you easy buckets in transition, you got to play with rhythm, you got to play with, you know, with great timing and everything like that. And ever since that Georgia Tech game, it was off. It was, it was, you know, you were able to be off against Elon and Furman because those are mid-major opponents that you're naturally more gifted than, and it, sh- and it wasn't ultimately going to matter. But those games were a lot closer at points than they probably should have been. And then, it, you, you know, you, you travel to Las Vegas, and I don't know if the time difference and the late arrival and all that really played a part into that. And if it did, ultimately, those are all excuses. But Carolina wasn't in rhythm offensively they got to get back in rhythm this is the last non-conference game um of the of the season because once you come back from christmas it's 19 straight acc games are going to determine your fate as if if you want to be a postseason team come march so um luckily with this time they've got almost three days to prepare as opposed to just two and i think it'll be some spirited practices where they 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 need to reinforce that you know playing defense and competing on the defensive end of the court, but this is an offensive-driven team, and they need to get back to playing offense the way they want to play offense. And even if that means you got to sacrifice and put Kerwin Walton and, and get some more shooting on the court at times, Carolina's got to get back to scoring the ball the way that we've grown accustomed to them scoring the ball the first five or six games of the season. Well, yeah, they got to do one of two things. They have to put the ball inside and keep it there. Um, or they have to put the ball inside and then start to knock down some shots from the perimeter. And, you know, we said that that was going to be an important part of what they did in the game against Kentucky, and they struggled to knock down those perimeter shots, and it was a big part of the reason why they struggled. Um, You know, they turned the ball over at times, but they still only turned it over 12 times. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, one of the big, the the biggest issue that you had was the fact that you simply couldn't knock down shots when you needed to. And like you said, look, I was a big proponent of them slowing down, uh, you know, the the offensive tempo. Um, and, And yeah, it worked for a while because you were able to knock down shots and you were showing better effort defensively. The other night showed that, look, if you don't do either one of those things, 
then it's not worth you slowing it down. That's not doing anything for you. Um, And yeah, they didn't have those moments the other night where they were able to strategically run, which I think has really helped this team at times. And they've got to be able to do that going forward. But yeah, you've got to get some of your shooters back in rhythm. Caleb Love, he's got to be able to step up and have a pretty good night in this one um, because this is the the last opponent uh, at a conference that you look at and say, okay, you should be able to beat rather handedly. So this is a chance for him to get right in this game. Uh, R.J. Davis, you'd like to see him step up. It's been a while, really, since we've looked at R.J. Davis and said he's had a good shooting night. Uh, so you'd like to see him do that. And the other thing is, is look, this team needs to be able to go to the rim more often. I thought the other night against Kentucky, the guards weren't trying to get to the rim the way that they have uh, in, in, in the previous two games uh, and at times this season when they've been at their best. Yeah, this team got to the free throw line, but a lot of it was Armando Baycock getting to the free throw line, Dawson Garcia getting to the free throw line. You need your guys to get downhill and get to the free throw line. You need to see it more consistently, and you need to see them finish at the basket, too, when they drive inside. That's one of the other issues that popped up again against Kentucky. Now, it wasn't as bad as it's been in some of the games earlier this year, but it still wasn't great. They they struggle sometimes finishing at the rim, and you've got to be able to do that going forward. You want to see them get back on track in this game, um, and you know you, you want to see a complete offensive performance because that performance that we saw the other night against Kentucky was very reminiscent of some of the offensive performances that we've been that we've grown accustomed to over the past two years. Carolina enters this matchup with a ninety point three percent chance to win, according to ESPN's basketball power index so you could see that even the formula that ESPN uses to determine this there's some value in what App State can do uh, really because of the fact of their experience the fact they were an NCAA tournament team just a season ago but this is still a game that Carolina should win and should win very comfortably but you're kind of back in the same spot where you were when you hosted when you when you hosted UNC Asheville, that was the, the the week of Thanksgiving. You didn't have a big crowd. How many guys were ready to go home see their families? Now it's the week of Christmas. Um, there's not going to be you know the students have gone home. There's not going to be a lot of people in the Smith Center. You're ready to go home see your families for the holidays before you come back and start the 19 straight ACC games. But this is still a game that Carolina should should come out and play. And, and, and win the ball game. For me, though, it's not about, you know, winning is the most important thing, but I'm not going to look at the margin of victory and, and really determine my feelings on, 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 on the game. This is a game where you use a Roy Williams where, uh, a Roy Williamism where it's, it's not about the score, it's about how you play. And I think it's going to be really important to see how does Carolina play. The last time they were in this situation, they didn't play very well. They got the win because of who they are and who the opponent was. Um, this is a game that Carolina needs to come out. They need to get some confidence back in themselves before they break for Christmas. And I think they'll take a step back in the right direction and earn a ninth win on the regular season. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a game that Carolina should be able to dominate, especially inside. I think you're going to see a lot of Armando Baycott, a lot of Dawson Garcia uh, inside, and, and and Brady Manick there as well. I think this will be a game that will be somewhat reminiscent, at least on the offensive end, from what we saw 
against Furman. I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see if some of those shots from the outside can start to go down. Um, and, yeah, this could be one of those games where as, as long as you're in a good enough position, you can get Kerwin Walton on the floor and see if he can start to capitalize on, on maybe some extended minutes, even from what you saw the other night. And uh, I, I feel like defensively, this is one of those games where Carolina should be able to get themselves back on track as long as they bring the effort. This is not a great offensive team. Uh, even in some of their games against the Division II opponents that they've beaten, App State has struggled to score the basketball. So this should be a game that Carolina should be able to come out and dominate. Um, and and even if the crowd isn't all that great, they should be able to put on a pretty good show doing it. So uh, I think Carolina will uh, get the win in this one, and uh, hopefully this will be one of those games that we'll be able to come back on here feeling pretty good about, and at least go in with some confidence to the conference season. That uh, you know that 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 game against Kentucky was just a momentary lapse. There you go, guys. With Anthony and myself predicting Carolina wins um, on Tuesday night against App State. Of course, you can catch that game 7 o'clock in the Smith Center over on ACC Network. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, I do want to get you guys over the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I'll be getting you ready for the App State game with a preview. Of course, following the game, there will be a recap up of the night of as Carolina um, continues on through their basketball season. Um, and, and I will continue to preview, recap, and try to work in just some other featured articles in there as well um, throughout the rest of the season. As for the football side of things, you can go back and catch up on all the great signing day coverage that Anthony had for you guys. He broke down the class. Carolina added a transfer uh, to the offensive line line over the week you can go back check that out there's also going to be an article up about other needs on the roster that carolina can address through the transfer portal you can check that out as well as uh, we're nearing the bowl season we will be getting you ready for south carolina and the duke's mayo bowl with the preview article preview pod will come back as well so make sure you go to the website heeltupblog.com for all that great carolina football and basketball coverage as for the podcast i think you know where to find us we're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We now host through Megaphone. If you find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it, the Four Corners and the Heel Tough Blog Podcast are there. Like both, review both, subscribe to both. As you, that way you get every great Carolina football and basketball podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.